Welcome to the Rashida Reyes podcast. Your podcast is all about your mental health and well-being. In today's episode, we will be discussing how does endometriosis affect women's mental health and well-being. In today's episode, Dr. Rastara Pritka is joining us all the way from the UK. Hello. Oh, hello, Rashida. How are you? I'm doing good. What about you? How is your Saturday going? Well, everything's fine, thank you. Oh. Ready to to tell the story of and how it affects um, life of women around the globe. Yes, yes, please. Um, it's something that um, affects many women around the globe, and um, today you will help us understand more. Um, so please. Um, Could you help us understand what is uh, endometriosis? Like, what are the symptoms and, and so on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, endometriosis is a condition that affects around 10% of women uh, around the world. Um, but if you look at the group that has infertility problems and have uh, difficulties conceiving, um, it is about... 50% of those women that um, are suspected, at least before it's uh, diagnosed, they are suspected to be affected by endometriosis. Um, and regardless of the fact that endo- endometriosis is uh, so prevalent, and there are, there are so many women um, that are suffering because of this condition without even knowing it, um, It is not really that much discussed. Now, um, the awareness about endometriosis is uh, getting bigger and bigger because I think in the recent three or four years, this topic is getting more and more attention. But nevertheless, uh, this is still quite a taboo topic, even in, um, the, even in Western societies, which are not that much affected by different taboos related to sexual life or Um, or um, women's health, but still, nevertheless, it is something that uh, many women do not really uh, tell to many people around them that they are suffering from endometriosis, that it makes their their life more difficult. It's something that many women keep it uh, for themselves. And um, while I'm here uh, to tell about this condition and how it affects a daily life, and also how it can affect um, relationships, because I'm one of those women who have been diagnosed with endometriosis, and I know it firsthand. That's also my experience. So I'm not talking only as an expert here, but also as a person who herself um, has endometriosis and has to manage this chronic condition. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to um, also salute um, your courage uh, to open up and provide this safe space for all women around the world. And um, you are such a brave uh, lady uh, who I personally admire. And um, I thank you really uh, for raising awareness and creating this safe space throughout this um, episode for all women around the world. Yes, definitely. As you said, creating safe space is very important because, well, as kind of a taboo topic, endometriosis uh, is nothing that uh, we women that were diagnosed with endometriosis are bragging about, right? And that's something that, well, because it's so so close to the to this intimate sphere, or basically it is in the intimate sphere of our lives. We don't really talk about it with, with everyone. But uh, I think that um, as a person who is affected by endometriosis, but at the same time, I'm quite the mild case, touch the wood. So I'm not that affected as many other women are. And I think that it is in a way my duty um, to bring more awareness to this condition and um, make people think how endometriosis can affect lives. Because it's not only the woman who is affected that is basically 
uh, dealing with the consequences of this chronic condition, but it's also her partner and uh, her family, they have kids. It, it is a condition that affects the whole family and professional life as well, unfortunately. So that's why it's so important to talk about it. And it's also so important to bring awareness and um, alert women for certain symptoms um, that they should uh, start getting anxious about or, or start um, investigating if they notice that something like that has been happening with them maybe even for years. And that's why it's so important that they have the awareness about the symptoms, how they manifest, and uh, that they can go to a doctor as soon as possible. And also bringing the awareness, it's not only about us, lesser mortals, so to say, uh, normal people, normal women, normal men, but it's also about uh, doctors because it's quite often it happens that women who go to a doctor, even sometimes to a gynecologist who is a specialist in, in women's uh, reproductory health, Mm -hmm. They go to a doctor and uh, they tell them, for example, they, they have um, some of the symptoms that are typically the symptoms of endometriosis. And they hear there from the doctor, well, it's probably nothing, just take more painkillers or, or they get advice like that. Uh, unfortunately, some doctors still, they would need to have more awareness themselves uh, about, uh, about the early symptoms of endometriosis so that women around the world could be diagnosed as soon as possible. Yes, um, thank you for, uh, I mean, bringing awareness to this um, uh, topic, especially um, the, I mean, the uh, medical care and um, part and responsibility. Indeed, sometimes, unfortunately, um, doctors can get certain, let's say, um, in somehow wrong things or maybe they underestimate um, the gravity of certain situations which is um, common unfortunately mm -hmm. um, and from this episode I just hope that more science more research can be done and to uh, as you said at least um, diagnose in early stages and help women uh, actually um, to deal uh, and cope with the pain that's true. So starting with the symptoms of endometriosis yeah. and what endometriosis is, because that's uh, the most important thing. So mm -hmm. endometriosis is a condition um, it's in which cells that are similar to those cells uh, that are the lining of the endometrium, so the womb, um, those um, cells and this tissue that normally is inside the uterus, um, among women who have endometriosis, this tissue grows outside the uterus. And um, the most common places where this kind of endometriosis implants of the tissue from the uterus can um, place themselves is usually ovaries, also fallopian tubes. Um, in some cases, uh, it can also go uh, around the body. There were some very rare cases when uh, endometriosis implants were even found in lungs. But in the majority of cases, the lining of the uterus uh, implantates itself in other parts of the reproductory system. So as I said, ovaries, fallopian tubes. Um, also, um, well, it can spread to intestines or um, it can cover uh, the bladder. So it's the whole uh, pelvic area that can actually be affected. And then um, depending on how much of those endometriosis implants um, are in there and in which places they are situated and how deep they go into the tissue, there are four different uh, stages of uh, endometriosis. Um, but first to mention um, the symptoms that are common for, for all women uh, with endometriosis, uh, I would start with um, the symptom which is the most prominent one, and that is um, pelvic pain. So that, that's a major symptom of endometriosis, and unfortunately it's this particular symptom that is quite often underestimated 
um, by people around the woman that is suffering uh, from endometriosis and sometimes also by doctors that she contacts like the GP or maybe even some gynecologists who are not that um, aware maybe about, about endometriosis and, and its symptoms. Um, so that kind of pelvic pain is a chronic pain or a pain that um, keeps recurring, uh, especially at the initial stages of, of endometriosis. It doesn't have to be present um, at all times, but uh, nevertheless, it's uh, pain that is, uh, first of all, it's connected uh, to menstrual bleeding. So the biggest pain that uh, women uh, with endometriosis um, experience is that pain that is related to uh, their period. So when they start uh, having periods each month, um, they pretty often have this very, very um, strong pain that is not really easily manageable, even with, um, even with like common uh, painkillers that you can get over the counter, like paracetamol or uh, ibuprofen. That's something that pretty often doesn't really do the work for women with endometriosis because the pain is so ex excruciating and it's so difficult to manage that quite a few women, um, especially those who, who are not uh, in the first stage, but maybe more, uh, they have more advanced endometriosis, they quite, quite often can even end up in um, emergency um, and get uh, some stronger painkillers um, as a shot, you know, or uh, because a normal painkiller wouldn't wouldn't really do the work because the cramps during the menstrual period can be so um, so strong. And also, uh, remember, as I said, one of well, the endometriosis is about the lining of the uterus uh, implantating into the different. Um, parts of the reproductory system. So it means that when a woman has a period, it's not only the lining of the uterus um, that is um, peeling and, and going out as uh, menstrual blood uh, in a normal way, yeah, so to speak, but unfortunately those implants that are, for example, in the ovaries or in the fallopian tubes, they bleed as well. And that's also the source of, of the chronic um, pelvic pain, because this blood uh, that uh, comes out from those endometriosis implants somewhere in the ovary or somewhere, uh, somewhere for example, um, on the surface of the intestines even, uh, this blood cannot really go out of the body because there is no you know, natural way um, for this blood to, to go out. So what happens is, uh, there are cysts uh, created. This this blood basically stays where uh, where it is with the with the implants, and uh, usually what happens is that um, a, a cyst is created. They are called chocolate cysts because they are full of full of blood, uh, which basically is about the color. You know, chocolate is about uh, well, the old blood color, so to say. Uh, that's that's where the name comes from. But that kind of chocolate cysts and the metriosis cysts are uh, quite common, especially in the first uh, third stage of um, endometriosis. So um, this is where the pain comes from um, in the first place. But um, it's not only about uh, the pain during the menstruation. It's also about, uh, for example, pain before the actual menstruation starts each month every 20 something days depending on on a woman um, but uh, you you can feel those cramps and those like some sort of pain in in the abdominal cavity even before uh, menstruation sometimes it can be only a few days before but it can be even up to one or two weeks in uh, in more uh, severe cases so um, that's also something that should uh, alert every woman uh, to visit a doctor, because if you have a chronic pain down there, even between your um, periods, that's something which shouldn't be really happening. So that's that's another type of pain that that should alert us. And um, then also there is pain um, that is related to sexual intercourse. 
um, many women because of those implants, those endometriosis implants um, around mm -hmm. around the abdomen, um, they have uh, pain uh, during or after sexual intercourse, which can also be um, uh, combined with, uh, for example, bleeding um, after sexual intercourse as well. And um, why this pain is there is uh, also because pretty much of the endometriosis implants, because um, as I said, it's not only that they bleed, um, but uh, there is also around that kind of uh, endometriosis implants, um, there is scar tissue being produced and scar tissue is not as normal tissue. It's less elastic. It's, it's uh, you know, more stiff, so to say. And um, it can uh, it can be everywhere. And in um, in the more advanced stages of endometriosis, uh, there might be so much of the scar tissue that uh, the internal organs like uterus, uh, which normally is um, is located uh, and and situated in that way that it's moving, um, you know, it has like a, some uh, some margin of moving uh, with the endometriosis implants it can be um, stiffly connected to intestines for example through those uh, scar tissues and that is where the pain comes from during sexual intercourse because well everything down there moves right uh, during <laughs> sexual intercourse so if um, if there is uh, too much scar tissue that uh, that makes the uterus um, completely um, attached to the organs that normally it shouldn't be attached to, like, for example, intestines or, or the bladder um, through those um, scar tissue and, uh, that, that um, results from the endometriosis implants um, being in the pelvic area, then this is where this pain uh, comes from. And uh, in, in the most severe stages of endometriosis, this pain can be very, which means that uh, pretty often women will just stop um, stop uh, their sexual life and they will start avoiding any sexual intercourses because it's just too painful um, to to manage really so that's um, that's another symptom um, there are also some well a bit uh, bit less um, less obvious symptoms that uh, women may not necessarily link to uh, endometriosis or or anything. Um, very serious happening uh, down there, yeah, in their um, in their abdomen. But uh, that kind of symptoms can, for example, be some sort of discomfort with bowel movements. So basically, um, you know, when you go to the to the toilet um, and you need to, you know, um, open your bowels or also um, to urinate. Uh, especially during your menstrual cycle, you can get extra pain from that. Uh, but also, also that can happen between the menstrual cycle. When you go to the toilet, you know, normally uh, we shouldn't really have any problems uh, with urinating or we, even with, you know, opening bowls. Uh, but when there are those endometriotic um, changes already in the, in the pelvic um, area, uh, it may happen that it can be at some point painful to actually pull. Um, you know, you feel everything down there and pain which shouldn't be really there and wasn't there before. So that's uh, also something that uh, is quite characteristic for endometriosis. But at the same time, it may not necessarily be uh, directly linked by by a woman who, who starts to experience this kind of symptoms. Another thing um, is also about um, pain in lower back. And that is also something that is not necessarily, um, you know, straight away linked to, to endometriosis or, or actually anything related to the reproductory system. Uh, because, well, the majority of us has a sitting um, lifestyle, you know, if you work in the office, if you spend lots of time sitting during the day, then if we have some lower back pain, if we experience uh, lower back pain from time to time, we may um, attribute that to our um, our living style, eh? our our work, for example, when we spend eight hours at the desk in the office. 
<laughs> so you know lower back pain is is not necessarily something that uh, that is related in um you know the the our mind so to say um straight away with with some problems with our reproductory system like with endometriosis or even even with um cervix problems with cervix like uh, cervical cancer it's also one of the symptoms as well but um, women don't really link those two together so um, that's also something that that women could uh, pay attention to if you start having some funny uh, back pains uh, in in your lower part of of the back uh, that are you know, um, either all the time or they just come and go without any particular reason, maybe for, you know, a few minutes or half an hour. Um, that's something that should uh, make you uh, alert. Um, so I would say that these are the typical symptoms of endometriosis, um, the most severe ones, so to say, and, and also the most easily not noticeable ones mm, of course there are also some other pains uh, some other uh, symptoms that um, that can also happen and that uh, can be some digestive problems for example um, but mm -hmm. probably this one alone would not be necessarily linked to endometriosis so so it's more about those uh, different pain symptoms um, and they are quite common for um, all women uh, with endometriosis and well just to um, mention another one which is um, which is something that is resulting from from um, the whole process of, of endometriosis is uh, also infertility but well infertility may not be detected until a woman wants to conceive so that's that's mm -hmm. something that we may not be even aware of, uh, we women with endometriosis, that we may have problems conceiving until we want to do that. Uh, and infertility um, is a result of endometriosis. Also, well, one of the reasons is definitely um, and can be just mechanical blockages in fallopian tubes. As you remember, I mentioned about those endometriosis implants that can um, implant into the ovaries or into the fallopian tubes and uh, if they yes. yeah if they um, they are in the fallopian tubes they can just mechanically block um, the egg you know from moving to the, mm -hmm. to the you know to the um, uterus yeah uh, so so basically that's uh, one of the reasons but of course there are also other reasons there are well endometriosis is not entirely well researched now um, we have um, we don't know everything that we should know about this um, chronic illness yet but there are also um, other reasons for infertility and for example i've read that it's uh, suspected that um, endometriosis changes uh, like the dif different you know parameters uh, in the uterus like uh, that's you know the, the um, like the sperm doesn't move as quickly, like, you know, things related more to, to the chemistry of the body or, or something like that, as I, I understood. Um, so, so that can be also um, like something that um, basically prevents um, conceiving on a more like biochemical level, so to say. Uh, but as I said, uh, it's still like there is lots of hypotheses about endometriosis and um, and we don't know how exactly, uh, wh where it is exactly comes from in the first place, and we don't know the whole mechanism behind it. But um, infertility is a symptom which is quite common for the fourth stage of endometriosis, and I will tell about those stages in a second. Um, because of those endometriosis implants that are literally just um, like a mechanical obstacle. Um, for conceiving. And um, as I've mentioned, uh, endometriosis um, is classified into four stages and it all depends in what stage you are. It depends um, on the location of this endometriosis implants, um, the depth of those implants in the tissue, like for example, in the bladder or uh, on the intestines or uh, in the ovaries. 
Mm, so it all, all depends. And also it's uh, about the severity of scar tissues um, that is uh, present um, with those endometrial uh, implants as well. So there are uh, four stages and the first stage is uh, the minimal stage. Then the second stage is the mild stage. Uh, the third stage is the moderate stage. And there is the fourth stage, which is uh, severe. And um, the minimal stage and the mild stage are those stages that are um, that are the stages when endometriosis is pretty often diagnosed. Um, so luckily, um, not every woman with endometriosis will hopefully proceed to, to the third or the fourth stage, because if they got the diagnosis early enough, there is, of course, some treatment um, of different kind that can be can be uh, introduced, like a hormonal pill, for example, um, that can manage endometriosis and it will not uh, progress. But um, in the moderate and in the severe stages of endometriosis, um, there is usually quite a lot of severe scarring um, in the abdomen, in, in the reproductory system. And there, is, there are also those cysts that I mentioned. Um, because technically in the first stage and in the second stage, um, the cysts are not present. But it's not uh, entirely like that because I myself had a cyst uh, on my ovary, but uh, my endometriosis was actually classified as the second stage with all the other uh, symptoms which, which were very visible for the doctor when I had uh, my surgery, my operation. So. So it's, uh, you know, it's a bit uh, fluid, really. But um, if women are in the, in the third and the fourth stage, um, their symptoms can be, can be quite um, very subtle, including all those types of pains. And definitely there is a lot of, of changes in, in the reproductory system because of endometriosis uh, implants. Mm, but also what I wanted to mention here, um, even regardless of the stages, it's not that easy to say that a woman with um, the first stage uh, endometriosis will feel much better than a woman with, let's say, the third stage uh, or the f even sometimes the fourth stage of endometriosis, because sometimes it happens that a woman who is... Um, who has some uh, implants, for example, on the surface of the bladder or uh, the intestines, but doesn't have any cysts and uh, is not even infertile, um, she can actually have quite severe pain symptoms, so severe that some women even have to, um, well, uh, leave their jobs and just stay at home. That can be, um, you know, debilitating to that, that point. And then at the same time, some women with the second or, or third stage of endometriosis, they may not necessarily uh, suffer that much, which is also quite, uh, quite interesting, right? Because you would expect that those who are in the farther stages um, of this chronic illness would suffer much, much more. And that is not, mm -hmm. always, uh, not always the case. So um, that's one of the tricky things with, uh, with endometriosis, because um, sometimes it happens when that uh, you can unfortunately only get your diagnosis when you are already in the moderate or the severe stage, because something, um, something you know, unexpected and sudden happens, like, for example, one of the cysts that you have, um, endometriosis implants, it can break. And you will have to go to the emergency and have and have an emergency um, procedure. Um, and only then some women actually learn they, they have quite severe endometriosis because they don't really have that many symptoms before. So that's uh, that's quite a you know sneaky way uh, that endometriosis uh, works. Oh. Well, thank you, Dr. Rostira, for walking us through um, this interesting and very informative uh, episode about, well, let's say this part was about the symptoms of uh, endometriosis and what women experience um, in various stages. Um, 
it is indeed i can only imagine the amount of of sufferance and uh, again i salute um your courage uh, you know and every woman out there who's suffering from um this chronic pain and what they are going throughout life uh it's it's not an easy thing to yes of course with. and uh, it's not only about you know the mm -hmm. pain but as we spoke at the very beginning endometriosis heavily affects mental health and well-being yeah. and not only the one of the woman but also the one of her partner or her family members so that's indeed yeah, that's that important to remember yeah yeah the, indeed and that was uh let's say uh my my second uh, mm -hmm. question how uh, does endometriosis affect women's actually mental health and and well-being it's not only um as you mentioned dr astera it's not only um uh, let's say the person who is suffering but also it's it's her partner maybe her kids uh, maybe the family um mm -hmm. it, it affects you know in every aspect of life um could you help us uh understand more how does endometriosis affects women's mental health and of well-being. Course. Well, as we've already discussed, that's, um, that's a chronic condition which is um, linked to quite a lot of different types of pain that a woman is experiencing. So, you know, even with uh, the pain only, this uh, chronic condition is not something that, um, that you know, is, is could be expected not to affect um, daily life or, or um, our well-being or mental health as uh, women, because uh, if you're experiencing those chronic pains, even if you are on medication, sometimes, unfortunately, for some women, medication does not help that much. I must say that I'm probably quite blessed because, as I've mentioned just at the very beginning, my symptoms, including the pains, are actually almost non-existent now they were before i had my surgery i had all of those pains that uh, that i've mentioned before including pains in my lower back that i wasn't uh, sure at the beginning where they were coming from until i was preliminary diagnosed by my gynecologist after having a scan that i most likely have an endometriosis um cyst on my ovary and then you know after that i had the surgery and that was confirmed but um well if you're experiencing chronic pain um, your mental health and well-being is usually affected with the typical symptoms that you can expect um with you know um being all the time in distress being all the time in, in chronic pain so depression or anxiety they are quite common conditions that um, that women with endometriosis experience also just you know the level of stress because this uh, chronic condition although it can be managed with uh, hormonal medication Unfortunately, some women, even when they are on medication, they, their endometriosis still progresses. So you never know whether um, maybe with, you know, uh, without even knowing, you may uh, have uh, a new um, endometriosis implant somewhere else, even if, let's say, your previous one was removed. And you never know whether it's, it's not there right because well you can't really control what is happening down there unless you you go to to uh, gynecologists very often every month but otherwise you know this can these kind of uh, uh, implants can can actually uh, start growing very quickly and within uh, six months you know six, let's say in january you were uh, you had a scan and and there was nothing and then you know in may you can already have a cyst so uh, that's quite unpredictable so lots of women are just experiencing normal psychological chronic stress about their condition how they are going to feel next day uh, if endometriosis is heavily affecting them especially during during um, the time of the period um, they never know maybe they have to take uh, a day off uh, from work which also means that it may not be able to 
um, take care of their children. Uh, they would have to find maybe a, a um, you know a babysitter or something like that. So so there is a lot of stress associated um, with this condition as well. And of course, uh, the quality of life is well quite poor, so to say, especially uh, when um, all those uh, typical symptoms. Um, like pain, for example, are, are quite severe because, well, you can't expect that you would feel great um, if you're experiencing pain all the time. And then um, as another symptom of, uh, of endometriosis and, and the condition that is um, very often linked to it is, uh, as I've mentioned, the inability to conceive um, infer infertility. That is also something that makes lots of women depressed uh, and also maybe their partners, because, um, you know, the inability to have a child for many people is, is well, a personal tragedy. It's something that, uh, that mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not something like, okay, well, okay, I, don't, I, I will not have a child or something. For, for those who want to have a child, that's a serious thing. I must say that in my case, I've never, um, I've never really, uh, well, when I was younger, I thought that maybe I would have a child, but then, you know, with the, with the years, I, I wasn't really planning to conceive, so to say. So, um, so for me, um, this diagnosis, being diagnosed with endometriosis, is not not um, such a tragedy as as for women who maybe you know worked till they were like thirty something and they planned uh, to have children in their late thirties because well they had to you know provide for themselves, they had to, you know, get to some level of, uh, for example, financial security before they wanted to have a child. And when they are experiencing different, different problems, they, they can't conceive, they go to a doctor and it turns out it's endometriosis and it's uh, maybe the third or fourth stage and their chances to have a child are, are quite low. So, um, you know, you, you can imagine how that can affect uh, women and also and maybe their husbands yeah. or, or their partners if they uh, plan to have a family yeah it's um especially when there is a sense of um especially when there is a sense of um helplessness exactly. and hopelessness it's yeah, it's it's not an easy feeling to deal with, and it's often will lead to mm -hmm. depression and anxiety. Um, so, as you said, for for especially for women and and couples mm -hmm. who want to conceive, this is um, a tragedy uh, itself, and let alone the um, the kind of like the fatigueness that comes with dealing with mm -hmm. you know constant um, pain and constant stress. Um, so what, what can be done to, to cope with mm -hmm. everything? I mean, with the stress, the, uh, constant chronic pain and, and everything that comes with it, with it, uh, what can be done to help mm -hmm. both women and maybe also the, um, their partners uh, in such yeah, situation. Um, like before, before going to that, I also want to mention about you know another area. Well, it's not really another area because it relates to sex and intimacy. But uh, well, of course, not every couple wants mm -hmm. to conceive a child, and maybe for not for every woman, as I said, like for me, for example, that's not really the main problem with endometriosis. But there are. Um, as, uh, as we spoke at the beginning, one of the pains that is related to endometriosis is also the pain that um, comes during uh, the sexual intercourse or after sexual intercourse, and it's called dysphorenia. Mm -hmm. And that's quite the common symptoms of endometriosis. It, it doesn't, um, doesn't really affect every woman, um, but uh, it's quite common. For, and for some, it can be quite a severe pain. So that's, uh, that's like an, another thing that is very distressing uh, for couples because, uh, well, sex and intimacy is a, quite an important part of, uh, of being in a relationship. And definitely it is going to be affected by uh, endometriosis. As you said, also the general fatigue, for example, and feeling unwell uh, with all the chronic pain 
um, that is uh, being experienced apart from inter intercourse. Um, you know, that's something that also doesn't make women uh, necessarily very willing to, to have sex, especially to have it quite often. Um, they can be depressed. They can um, also experience um, a loss of, um, of desire, a loss of libido because of the medication, because, well, the hormonal pill it actually brings your libido down quite often for many, for many uh, women who, who on, well, just take it for a contraceptive reason, not only because of endometriosis. So that's, um, that's you know, everything that I've just mentioned, it affects uh, the intimate life um, when you are in a relationship. And it's not only that the woman is affected, but of course, her partner is affected as well. Um, because, well, um, a woman can also feel guilty or, or sad that, you know, she cannot, um, cannot have sex as often as, sh as she would like and her partner would like. Um, that, can, uh, that can cause, um, like, intimacy um, not being that deep anymore. Um, also, um, the couple may not be that close anymore. You know, it's, it's like lots of things that, uh, that are affected. Um, by endometriosis in, in, a, in the life of a couple. And um, as I also mentioned, quite, quite a few women might just start avoiding sex at all because they have such an enduring um, pain uh, during, during the intercourse that it's just um, well, not worth it for them to engage in, in, in it. Um, so so that's, um, that's what pretty much happens. Um, for many women affected by endometriosis and for their partners. Of course, it's not for everyone, um, but um, that's, that's one of the common problems in uh, relationships. And what can be um, done um, with, um, to cope with something like that? Well, definitely what is, um, what is important is um, communication. As in every relationship, communication is, um, is important. But if you have a chronic condition, uh, also a different one than endometriosis, um, then communication becomes uh, more and more important because um, your partner, he doesn't know what is happening with you. And um, he may not know how you really feel, how painful for you it may be at some point in this day or the other. Um, they don't know why you are in a bad mood. Um, so it's all about, you know, communicating that clearly to your partner because while they may uh, want to be close to you and you may absolutely not have, um, you know, a willingness or a need to be close to them on that particular time because you feel pain, you, you, you know, you, your mind is somewhere else you're stressed and you know you just reject your partner and they don't know what is happening for them it's difficult too so uh, communicating is really a key aspect uh, of living with well every uh, long-term condition every chronic condition so that's uh, that's something to um, be mindful about and then um, as i said uh, your your partner cannot really read your mind so that's um, that's why uh, clear communication and direct uh, communication is important. Uh, I would say also um, education is important. So, for example, if your partner doesn't mind, um, you can go together uh, for your appointments uh, with a doctor, for example. So uh, your partner can learn more about this condition, how to cope with it, um, what are the typical problems associated uh, with with endometriosis and uh, you know by getting um, to know more about the condition by learning more about the condition they can also somehow well maybe saying that um, put themselves in your uh, shoes is maybe a bit too much to say but still they can take they can get more awareness about uh, and about endometriosis and what is happening with um, with their female partner. Um, who is affected by this condition. Um, being kind is also important. Being kind to each other. Mm -hmm. um, don't, get, uh, don't get annoyed um, 
if for example you really want to be close to to your partner but uh, your partner doesn't really feel like that because she's in pain um and she really doesn't doesn't want to have an intercourse well don't get mad or upset try to be kind it's difficult for 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 her as well it's not only that it's difficult for you as a man but um it's something that uh, that affects you both and um also there are some other things that uh, that can be done um to um try to um maybe um uh, enhance the quality of life of of um, the woman who is affected by endometriosis but also in the same time um her partner will will feel better probably uh, as she uh, feels better so there are different uh, ways to um to adjust to this uh, chronic condition which cannot really be cured let's let's say it's straight it can only be managed and also it is on us mm-hmm. um women who are affected by endometriosis um how well we can we can um, manage this condition because we can um include different changes in our uh, everyday life for example like um we can change our diet for example it's recommended that women with endometriosis um have quite a lot of like green vegetables in their in their diet that uh, seems to to help um with pain for example um so for some reason yeah so that's that's something which uh, can be done like altering your diet or maybe also changing your um life um or work patterns um many women who are very severely affected by endometriosis and by pain they may not be um, capable of uh, continuing their uh, professional life especially if that was um a very demanding um lifestyle for example long hours in the office maybe traveling uh, for business uh, domestically or abroad um often things like that so unfortunately sometimes um we need to think what sort of changes we can implement in our life for example related to work um maybe we need to change our job for a job that is less demanding that puts uh, less strain on us and on our body um maybe we need to think about self employment that we could do remotely from home instead of of, uh, of a regular job that we have to commute to and uh, spend uh, long hours in the office um that are what kind of changes that uh, that women with endometriosis can also consider um to enhance their quality of life yes well thank you for this uh, advice uh i would also if you would like um need to add um healthy practices such as um meditation it shows I I'm not really uh, an expert to be honest about endometriosis but meditation um actually increases our uh, pain uh, yeah, so course, uh, maybe yeah, uh, tuning into this uh, mm-hmm. can be helpful as well and uh have a lot of self compassion for yourself acknowledging that this is uh, severe pain and I increase and cultivate the amount of self compassion that you have uh but also acknowledge that you're not alone there are women out there who have the same condition which make things uh less maybe um there is this sense of uh easiness uh so these two things that i would just suggest um yeah, but I mean, uh, again I i'm not an expert this is just good, you know everything that can help um with managing pain or with even you know just taking more um to endometriosis because well it can't be cured yeah it can only only be managed uh so there is you know no point of of mm-hmm. um thinking about that continuously i mean i'm trying not to to think about uh endometriosis i was you know more concerned before i had the surgery a few years ago um but then after that um i was on medication i was on different types of hormonal medication 
and um, when I've just realized that, you know, thinking about it, it's, it's not really doing um, any good to, to yourself. So just, you know, um, make sure that uh, you have your regular visits with your doctor, that uh, you are managed well in terms of the treatment that you're receiving. If you still feel lots of pain, regardless of, of the hormonal treatment, maybe you need some other treatment. There are different uh, different um, medications that are used um, in, to treat endometriosis in um, different hormonal medications. So maybe it's also um, maybe it's also about changing one medication to another. So don't be afraid to reach out to your doctor, well, GP or gynecologist, depending on you know what country you are in and how how your healthcare. Uh, looks like and who is who is uh, the doctor that you should um, go straight to um, when you are already diagnosed with endometriosis. Make sure that uh, you have done everything that you could for yourself to uh, have your endometriosis treated well. And when it's treated uh, treated properly, um, quite a lot of that pain actually goes away. As I said, I'm quite lucky. Touch the wood. Um, I don't really experience pain when I'm on my medication and I was even uh, for more than half a year without uh, hormonal medication and I was quite fine. Unfortunately, I started having very irregular periods, so I had to go back on my hormonal medication. But, you know, it's all about your mindset. It's all about taking care of yourself. It's about making sure that you are in touch with your doctor, that you, your endometriosis is managed properly with the meds that are available and it's also about educating your partner as well about the condition um, because that's important if you are in, in a relationship um, your chronic condition is not only affecting you it's also affecting your partner it may be affecting your children as well if you have them so it's all connected but um, what we can do what is in our control is to um, take care of ourselves, take care of uh, our life, our health, uh, be in touch with the doctor, make sure that uh, your partner understands your condition and that um, he is supportive and uh, you are supportive to him as well. That's the, that's the things that we can do um, with our chronic condition to manage it uh, better. Well, Thank you. That was a, a very informative uh, episode about uh, endometriosis and how it actually affects women's mental health uh, and well-being. Uh, we discussed also the symptoms and how it could affect the relationship and what can be done. Um, so, uh, Dr. Sira, I will leave the final words uh, to you. Any advice, anything that well, you would like to I add? I would like to bring more awareness to this condition and especially to all women who are experiencing some, well, weird symptoms, so to say, pains that come and go uh, and they don't really know um, where those abdominal pains are coming from. If you start experiencing something like that, um, contact your doctor. Make sure that um, you are covered, so to say, uh, that you are making this first step to be diagnosed because you may be um, suffering from endometriosis without knowing it. And um, that's, um, that is quite a common thing, really, because lots of women who at some point uh, of their lives are diagnosed with endometriosis, they, um, when they started, uh, having periods as um, teenagers, um, like when they were well, 11, 12, 13, depends on, on the person and, and also the ge geographical zone uh, when they live, um, because that, uh, that sometimes differ. Mm -hmm. um, but um, lots of these women, they were experiencing symptoms um, since the very beginning. And I was one of them. I... Um, I was experiencing very painful symptoms um, when I had my period, when I was well, 14, 15, 16 years old, when I was in, um, at the end of my uh, primary school and then um, in my high school. Also very heavy bleeding um, connected with those pains during periods. But um, you know, during that time when, when I was a teenager, 
um, endometriosis was uh, was a topic that wasn't um, really brought that much to the uh, to the to the public. You know, there was not that much. Um, uh, attention about about this uh, illness. I must say that I actually uh, read about it when I was around 12 or 13 years old because um, there was a, quite an informative article in one of my mom's magazines um, about endometriosis and um, I kind of recognized that all those pains that I had during uh, periods which were not really manageable with those over-the-counter um, uh, medication uh, like painkillers like you know um, paracetamol or ibuprofen because they didn't really help me um, that much um, I kind of uh, kind of suspected that I might have it uh, but my case was also quite funny because usually it get, gets worse with time but in my case um, in my late 20s um, it was actually getting better. And by, by the time when I got 30, 32, I stopped having any pains um, during my periods. I could manage without any painkillers. So that was a bit, a bit funny way, actually, because I was diagnosed with endometriosis when I was 35, which means that uh, it was already going on in the background and surprisingly without any pain at that time. But if you have a history of having very painful periods, and also very heavy periods when you were a teenager and then in your adulthood it sort of continues maybe sometimes it goes away but then it comes back um, make sure that you contact your doctor make sure that you are checked just in case and that you don't have endometriosis oh. Thank you. Uh, also, if you have teenagers around, if you are a lady or even a parent and you are listening to this podcast, don't please don't hesitate to open up the topic with your kid. If you have a teenager who is going who, or who just started to have her period, um, please make sure to ask the questions, uh, find a way to open up uh, this sort of communication because it's still taboo in 2020. I know to talk about such topic and even mm, about, yeah, that's true. you know, having a period. It's, and but it's everywhere. I mean, there are parts of the world that it's, of course, more of a taboo. But even in the Western world, it's, it's something that, um, well, period, uh, well, women don't really talk about that um, very often. And, and actually admitting uh, that you are feeling not well during your period these days is, is actually something that can, well, somehow negatively affect your especially professional life. So those women who are very heavily affected by, by pain um, because of their periods, whether they are diagnosed or not diagnosed with endometriosis and, for example, have to take a day off at work, that's something that negatively affects their career in the long term you know, taking randomly days off because, well, you have a reason for it which you don't really even want to share necessarily. So so it is a taboo. So one uh, one of the messages of, of our today podcast would be, as you said, if you have a teenager, if you are a parent or uh, if you are a sister, you have a much younger sister who has lots of pains during her period, don't tell um, to such teenagers or when, uh, to young women that, well, Pain is something normal that comes with a period and it's normal for a woman to be in pain during her period because it's not really like that. Of course, some, some pain is always present during period, even for women who don't have endometriosis. But if, if those pains are excruciating, if those pains make you or someone that you know um, seek help uh, at the emergency at the hospital during their period because they they just can't manage uh, without getting some strong painkillers. Uh, if um, if that kind of a woman that is uh, in your surroundings, they have to take days off uh, every month because of their period for the first or second day when when it's the most painful. Um, well, make sure that they are aware that there is something like endometriosis and that it, that it can be managed. And then at least some of that pain can be taken away um, by proper 
a medical treatment. Thank you. So don't be afraid to open up um, and speak about uh, your case, your chronic pain. Uh, when you reach out to your doctor, don't be shy of asking the questions and um, it is okay you have the right i mean if you're with a doctor or if you're consulting with the doctor um you're paying for a service and you have all the right to ask the questions so prepare ahead of time your questions that you have maybe so you don't forget about anything uh, but tell your doctor that i'm here today to ask this this and this and that even mm -hmm. if you'd have to take note of your of the symptoms that you have been experiencing for the previous months but um the message to to hear uh, to spread with with dr asira is to the to do something to open up to raise awareness to ask questions yeah and also find uh, help and, and also, um, uh, as you've mentioned uh, mm -hmm. It's important to ask questions, but also if you have a choice of a doctor, for example, um, you know, in many countries, there is, uh, there is the national healthcare system, but you can at the same time uh, use private system if you pay, you know, you can, you can make a private visit with a, with a um, private practice, for example. So um, if you are not satisfied, for example, with, uh, with the doctor in the national um, healthcare service, um, for example, it may happen that they say, oh, okay, well, we will check in half a year or something, um, you know, and you've been in pain for so long and you have, um, you have different symptoms that are um, typical for endometriosis, you are not happy with uh, what you get, well, make sure that you maybe book a visit at the private practice or maybe look for a, a different uh, specialist in the national healthcare system. In some countries, it's possible. Um, you are not necessarily um, just somehow linked to, to one. If you are not happy, you can change the doctor. Make sure that, um, that you have the best care possible. So if you don't get it from one doctor, um, do your research. You, you can research online. You know, there is lots of resources online. Uh, there are also different um, different fora, different uh, groups um, that women with endometriosis are active in, and they can um, they can even uh, refer you to a specialist uh, in your uh, place of living, in your in your city or or your region, who is a good specialist on endometriosis. And well, sometimes it's worth even paying for a private visit if you have to, instead of, for example. You know, being uh, being treated um, not necessarily in the in the best way with what you can get on on this national um, healthcare service. And I'm not saying that uh, that national healthcare service is not good, but in many countries in Europe, it's so overwhelmed that the lines are so long. Um, here in the UK, I must say, I haven't. I haven't used um, like specialist uh, care because I uh, I have a doctor in Poland um, in private practice that uh, my gynecologist that I basically consult uh, with my endometriosis. Um, but uh, I know that here in the UK uh, you have to wait for well half a year or even more now because of the COVID to even get a visit at a specialist, and then you never know whether the specialist is actually a really good specialist and they will they will um, really do what they should do um, straight away so just make sure you know you do whatever is best for you if you are not happy with um, let's say one doctor look for another doctor um, it's like with um, psychotherapists for example you know you don't have to be happy with the first psychotherapist that you go to if you need a psychotherapy uh, but you may be happy with the third or the fourth. So it's the same with endometriosis. Just find the specialist who knows um, about endometriosis and who knows how to treat it uh, properly and uh, what are the next steps uh, that you should take in this well, medical journey, so to say, um, with your endometriosis. That's very important. Yes. Well, uh, thank you again for really, I mean, you provided uh, like 
various advice for the audience. Uh, you walked us throughout the symptoms, what to do uh, in terms of uh, how it affects the mental health. And then even you are explaining about what to do, in how to choose actually the doctor and what to do. Um, I mean, uh, we couldn't ask really for more than this. And thank you for uh, the work that you do to raise awareness uh, about endometriosis and helping women um, understand more about it. Um, Dr. Sarah, well, we cannot thank you enough for this. to bring more this. awareness uh, to this chronic condition and well, also to share my experience and what I have learned in the last five years uh, since I was, well, first preliminarily diagnosed and then um, the diagnosis of endometriosis was confirmed um, a few months later when I had, uh, when I had my surgery. Uh, I'm very happy to share my experience and uh, share all the tips. And uh, if someone is uh, interested, I'm also happy to, to answer some questions. So if you have anyone reaching out to you, uh, Rashida, after this podcast, I'm, I'm happy to answer the questions as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And please, if you have any um, questions, uh, I would be more than happy to forward them to Dr. Sarah. She would uh, gladly um, provide her, her provide you with information and uh, more further information uh, from her experience uh, with the endometriosis. Um, we will uh, end up this episode and of course for the audience tune in for uh, more episodes uh, related to mental health and well-being and uh, Dr. Sarah, we are grateful for you, especially today for raising awareness for helping women around the globe. My pleasure. And uh, for joining us, for joining us all the way from the UK. I mean, on a weekend, uh, this My is really pleasure. something no that we are all. grateful. Happy for. to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you. And for the audience, please take care of your body, mind.